Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Kekosa Sujere, Nihao Puviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a tremendous, tremendous show for today with an incredible guest, Major Andy Salmon, CMG OBE, joins the show. Andy spent 36 years in the Royal Marines and is a former Commandant General, Head of Service. He served in many global conflicts, including the Troubles, the Falklands War, Angola, Sierra Leone, the Balkans, and Iraq. Three tour of duties in Iraq spanned 19 years from 1991 and the Kurdish humanitarian crisis to 2003 in the Green Zone, Baghdad, and to 2008 and 9 when he was the last British general in Basra, closing down the UK campaign. He retired from the services in 2013. Throughout his illustrious career, he's been the recipient of many meritorious awards, the Companion of the Order of St. Michael and St. George, Officer of the Order of the British Empire, Queen's Commendation for Valuable Service, and the Bronze Star. These days, Andy now produces, directs, and narrates the journey through conflict events, which uniquely fuse original artwork and live music. Andy shares his experiences and learning from conflict to inspire people to seek peace and reconciliation. This was an incredible, incredible conversation, and I learned just so much from from Andy. And I was I was disappointed when our time came to an end because there were so many more questions I wanted to ask him during today's talk. Andy chats about leadership and what it takes to lead young men and women during times of conflict. Andy also discusses how he stayed in the right headspace during chaos. And finally, Andy reflects on the year and remarks on some of the books that have left an indelible mark on his life. Fascinating, fascinating conversation, and we're incredibly lucky to have him on the show. Thrilled for everyone to meet him. Let's go ahead and bring on Major General Andy Salmon, CMG, OBE, and let's learn. Growing up, were you always interested in the military, and what was it that attracted you to the idea? Well, uh, from a fairly young age, I've been quite interested in military history, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Partly because I read Biggles as a kid, you know, so I was interested yeah. in uh, what happened in wars. Mm-hmm. And that turned into war gaming and military modeling at school. Okay. So basically, Napoleonic Wars, painting all those models, and then war gaming. And that was quite interesting. And then I was also fond of military history in the broader sense and actually history. So developed my love of that and really interested in why things happen why did revolutions occur why did nationalism occur in the 20th century in the way it did and so on and that's what i ended up studying at university but i tried to be a fighter pilot to start with and i didn't make that so i was working in my father's pub and uh, this guy comes in and i'm pouring in a pint and he says hey uh, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I think I might join the army or something like that. And I was about 16 and a half, 17. And he said, well, have you heard about the Royal Marines? And I said, no. And he said, well, let me tell you about the Royal Marines. And I ended up joining the Royal Marines. That was that. When you were studying and, and in school, and even maybe prior to that, when people that piqued your interest the most, because I know for me, I, anytime you talk about Caesar and, and his exploits, but also Napoleon as well. So for you, who were the individuals that you really were drawn to? Uh, well, I actually it was Che Guevara. Quite. Oh, hey, yeah. that's a that's a great conversation yeah. we can have right there. Woo. Yeah, because um, I think at school, uh, Che 
was quite an iconic person. Mm-hmm. And even in the school assembly, and I went to quite a conservative school, uh, we were talking about him. And so I was got quite interested in him. What was he all about? And that piqued my interest in the Cuban Revolution. Mm-hmm. And I ended up studying Cuban history and culture later at university. Wow. So um, that he was he was one of the standout characters. I suppose Churchill was another big character, wasn't he? Uh, because in the 60s and 70s, Second World War wasn't that distant. You know, my grandfather fought in the Second World War. All my family had experienced it. Uh, you know, my parents' generation all experienced it in one way or another. And I think the legacy of that still was very physically obvious in places where we were. I mean, you you were born in Doncaster, so I spent uh, 10 years in Lancashire and Liverpool. I used to go with my dad occasionally, and we'd still see all the bombed-out bits of the dockyard, all the rubble still in piles waiting to be sorted. So, you know, that was in the late 60s, early 70s even. His Motorcycle Diaries book, just tremendous, and especially because it was travel that changed his life, meeting people who were different that really inspired him. So I'm curious, throughout your travels in the military, you've traveled to very unique locations, often areas that were filled with conflict. So throughout your travels, what have you noticed that are the differences and the similarities of people around the world? Well, the differences are all about culture and circumstance and what's the scenario and the environment that they live in for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think differentiates us all. But then basically we're all human beings so we're very similar so once you get out of that cultural underneath that cultural veil uh, and you see the real person and then you're in some situations which I've been humanitarian disasters or conflict then most people have the same needs Um, Maslow's needs of hierarchy of needs is obviously you know great reference there but you know what you learn is through experiences that Everybody wants the basic stuff, food in their belly, a roof over their head, warmth and water, those fundamental things that we need to survive. And then layered on top of that, I quite often found that when you talk to ordinary people in the street of, say, Iraq or Sierra Leone or wherever parents were interested in security and safety and stability for the kids to go to school, to learn something and then to aspire to do something better than the, the situation they found themselves in. So uh, those those are really the similarities and the differences, the difference mainly culture. Very profound way to put that, especially how you mentioned parents wanting something more for their children. I think that's lovely. In your military expeditions, I know leadership is incredibly important to you. And during your time, you are leading usually young men, women, sometimes barely out of school. So when it comes to leadership, how do you create an environment where others are following you, not out of compulsion, but out of choice? How do you create an environment where others want well, to follow you? There's, you know, I've been in myriad scenarios when we've led all sorts of types of people and supported. So almost a support and influence type of leadership is required as well. And the, the you know, mixed, mixed generations quite often. But from my very early experiences when I was commanding uh, young Marines in the Falklands War, um, what I think people really need from the leader is for them to set the best environment for for them to be able to perform at their best. So to create the right positive spirit team environment, regardless regardless of the situation. 
so they're respected, they're valued, they're listened to, they're heard, they're recognized, uh, and you build this incredible trust between them when you start to know people and how they behave. And once you've got that, depending on what the scenario is, because some obviously, you know, there's a difference between in a campaign where you're not in the fight, but it might be a humanitarian development type yeah. of scenario. Uh, that's different to when you're in combat, in conflict, in in a really pressured situation where that fundamental faith in you as a leader to make the right call, to do the right things in the best interest and not to be loose with people's lives and take unnecessary risks is really vital for people to follow you. So there's, there's the situation you need to create and then... Once you've created that situation, people trust you, they'll pretty much follow you anywhere. But it's not a question of following always, it's a question of that we're in it together. With that, Sometimes it's interesting, but in great teams, that difference between a leader and the team isn't noticeable because everybody is as one and they're flowing nicely as a team in an amazing activity. And everybody knows their role recognizes other roles and it just all fits together nicely that's when a team is in flow if you can get there then you're doing a good job yeah i agree you were deployed for long periods of time so i'm curious how did you stay emotionally and mentally fit and able to sustain those difficult times just being away and being especially in places full of conflict and i know a lot of it's because of your duty aside from your duty of it how did you persevere well uh, there's two aspects to that there's you know the mission itself and how important and and the ethical nature and the just nature of that mission number one uh number number two is the people around you and your team and if you've got a strong team and a you know supporting team then obviously that's going to keep you going yeah and the third thing is your own routines uh the routines you have plus the team routines but the uh, i mean if 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 you're in a campaign which might be long there are long periods of potentially boredom when things aren't happening it's not all go in what in one moment of time you know all of the time if that makes sense yeah so it's important to keep fresh it's important important to keep routines vary them change have some fun things uh you know own time as well keeping a journal little diary i used to always keep a little diary whatever campaign i was on uh notes to self um you know, interesting things like in Cross McGlen in South Amar, very difficult tour in 1983. Every Sunday afternoon, it was almost like a, um, a journey's end type scenario. We would all get to have cake and a cup of tea at four o'clock regardless, unless we were actually being mortared or something like that. Regardless, we'd have routines which we stuck to. Invite each other, other over for whatever tea you could muster and food in a trench or something like that in the Falklands War. So it's really about keeping those routines, writing letters, reading letters are so important um, and, you know, vary them and make them as interesting as possible and as human as possible. Wow. Do you often revisit your old journals? I do. Yeah, I do. Well, partly because I do keynote speeches and some of those about leading in conflict or um, you know, I'm always looking for great stories to support what I'm saying and apply them to 
contemporary scenarios. Also, the journey through conflict stuff, you know, having diaries and journals has all been very useful for when we've been putting perform performances on. Yeah. I love how you mentioned that routine of, of having that cuppa every time, no matter what was going on. What about when chaos is in order? How do you then fine line your, your focus onto the duty or the mission when everything else is going to hell around you? Well, I think it's been really crystal clear about what the mission or the task is that you're doing and, you know, being incredibly focused on it. And I think when you're leading and there's situations that are uncertain, they're always unfolding, you're always trying to stay one step ahead. Uh, you're always trying to create the order out of chaos, whatever the situation is, and convey um, and communicate uh, the direction of travel, the latest task, how we're going to do something, keep that communication going with people in larger or smaller or more diverse teams so that people can um, have that feeling of certainty out of uncertainty. Even when you don't know, sometimes you just got to create something that creates certainty so that people can stay, take steps ahead with confidence and then, and, and then explore the solution that, that is required. So um, it's that focus you need, that focus. I know you've got so much wisdom through your experiences in the military, and I know a lot of them you parlayed into journey through conflict. So what is journey through conflict and why is it important to you? Journey Through Conflict is a not-for-profit endeavor, which is about inspiring journeys to a better life. And we fuse story, the music, art, and culture, and co-create immersive experiences or productions that are applied to scenarios or people who are in some kind of conflict-related issue or circumstance. And we are helping them create a journey which gets them through whatever scenario they're in and out the other side. You mentioned you do a lot of public speaking. So through your experience as a public speaker, what has been a memorable situation in which you met someone? After you usually do a presentation, people always come up and share their stories. And I'm sure there's been one that was really impactful for you. So have you experienced that? Uh, yeah, quite well, if you, you know if it's gone well, there are quite a few people who wanted to talk at the end. Yeah. Um, uh, well, the pro probably one of the most impactful ones was a, a gentleman who'd attended one of our events and his family had fought all fought in the second world war and um, there was quite a lot of trauma in the family as there were in many families who fought in wars that we just you know we we call it certain things now post-traumatic stress disorder and that sort of thing but when you know the end of the second world when there's a total scenario which involves quite a lot of the population as well as people fighting away um, there is sometimes a bit of a collective trauma that needs to be worked through. Well, that doesn't always get worked through. It manifests itself through sometimes through a couple of generations, which I've noticed. And uh, one guy just started writing to me about how cathartic and how meaningful it was for him to be in one of our productions. And that relationship lasted for a few years of him writing regularly to me. And I thought, well, I've got to respond and eventually I met his family and there were a few difficult issues and you you know you're not a psychologist you're you're not the person who's going to be able to sit down necessarily and solve a problem but you just get drawn in to issues challenges when when really all they need is for somebody to talk to so I, I sometimes feel that 
the productions that we put on are, are, enable that to happen. And that's probably one of the most memorable things that have happened for quite a long time. Oh, I know that's very powerful as well. What do you feel is the biggest lesson you've learned from the last year from all the slings and arrows you faced? Breathing. <laughs> to breathe. Okay. To be able to deal with the amygdala hijack, the fear and anxiety that everybody has to a lesser or greater extent with COVID um, in some dire scenarios, obviously, and in not so dire scenarios. And I think what I've done quite a lot of work with my clients is basically fundamental breathing to arrest that fear and anxiety and then to build from there. So that's the that's the most important lesson that we need to keep calm and cool in these scenarios, whatever's happening, because you cannot respond if you're fearful, anxious, you're frightened and you're, you know, you've, you've frozen or you're, you're running away from the scenario. I feel yeah. it was, if you can reduce your fear and anxiety through the last year, you're going to be great moving forward. You mentioned your clients. So when you are working with them to reduce their fear and anxiety or rest that, as you said, what are some of the strategies you use and what else do your clients expect or what can they receive from your services? Well, in the, uh, senior leaders and teams work that I do, um, which is one-to-one -one performance and life coaching, one-to-team, co-creating journeys to success and injecting high performance and nudging them along. We do a lot of breathing for energy uh, just to calm down or be able to get into a state where we can choose our mood and knowing how to do that. So working with energies. And then what they're, what they're expecting is to be able to get some clarity about where they're going on their journey and then how to get there uh, using some of these techniques. Yeah. Uh, Breathing is important to you. So I'm curious, is that something that you experienced over time naturally that it kind of gained or was it something that you researched through some of your readings? Well, in uh, as a kid, actually, I was very interested in um, yoga, believe it or not. Okay. And so uh, learning about just, just deep breathing with some of the exercises uh, was something that, you know, I did as a teenager. And then, of course, in the military, when you're doing things like shooting, um, you've got to get yourself into a very calm state of mind. Despite all of the pressures around, you know, you're breathing in you're holding your breath, it's gently squeezing the trigger. So, I mean, as basic as, as basic as that, you are learning the breathing techniques that go with being high performing in something. Mm -hmm. And then of course, that got deeper. And I, and I remember being the commander of coalition forces in Southeast Iraq in 0809. And actually I use yoga um, add a preference to an, a, a 45 minute nap in the middle of the day or doing some exercises with a lot of deep breathing to really clear my mind and actually energize me more for you know sustaining whatever the day was so I um, resurrected it and paid a lot more attention to it and now of course it's part of my daily routine several times a day if necessary and that's what I'm teaching people um, you know that that fundamental power of breath to calm yourself down and then meditate and get into lots of different practices. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. Through meditation, you also use elements of visualization as well? Yes, indeed, yeah. So, imaginating, visualizing the performance, visualizing the end state, visualizing what success looks like, and then creating an intention around that, 
and then maybe a narrative as well so that all all of those components are really what gives people a greater chance of success they're likely to maximize um, their progress because you know in action follows intention and if you're visualizing that intention then you know you're likely to stand a much more of a chance of succeeding because of you know what's going on in the brain how we're wiring mm-hmm. ourselves up from then on and are you still journaling as well yeah still journal yeah mm-hmm. still journal um not every day necessarily mm-hmm. but um quite a lot of the time and sometimes I'll, i do what's called free writing mm-hmm. which is a form of meditation where basically i breathe get into a calm state close my eyes with a journal in front of me and just write whatever comes into mind and just let it flow and see what happens and that's been quite an extraordinary revelation i respect that so much this is the question i've been waiting to ask you i'm so excited because i know you're someone who loves learning and you continually are learning do you have any book recommendations for me and maybe the the most memorable book you've read over the last year victor frankel uh, yeah that has been (laughs) the most profound book because i think um it really puts everything about the pandemic and our human condition into perspective so i think i can't think of a better book than that in relation to covid yeah i think that's a profound book i i've read it a few years ago and I, i've absolutely loved it and like you said it's a, it's also a great introduction for those who are interested in meditation and how the mind can work as well not ones from the last year but just in general any other ones that you've enjoyed well um Crikey, loads, but actually... <laughs> that's, um, why I, that's why I had to ask you, because I knew you had a lot. Yeah. Jordan, <clears throat> I have to say, the latest Jordan Peterson is brilliant. I mean, I, I love Jordan Peterson, but his two books, um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on the second one, Beyond Beyond Order. Um, and uh, I think his ability to be able to say what you know or you feel and then relate to is quite extraordinary. And so there's a lot of stuff that I look at that and think, yeah, I've done quite a bit of that, but I hadn't recognized that I was doing it. And I, I certainly, it's really helped me in certain scenarios with my clients. So I, I loved his book. Um, another great general book by a Jesuit pastor called um, Anthony DeMello is called Awareness. Uh, that's a very short one came out in the late 80s but um, I think it was so powerful because all of that stuff is you know it's just obvious and common sense in a way but really works and now it's underpinned by neuroscience our greater visibility and understanding of how the brain works definitely makes a lot of sense and I think awareness has been one of the most profound books because as you read it you start to change your life as you read it that is an exceptional book because normally to change habits and behaviors you really need to be quite deliberate and mindful in your in your praxis so there's a few things um and actually the other thing that i think is is i'm reading for the first time because i've read bits of churchill before but not his full world war ii memoirs Mm. and actually when you when you read all of that in detail you can see the workings of how to deal with a global crisis something that is totally threatening our existence and when you look at the the work that had to be done and how he did that is it's so relevant for now 
and many of our leaders I think need to take a a read of that and to take some of the example hey you know it's an amazing world we live in there's so many things happening uh where we're I can count ourselves as being very fortunate where we are um and I think you know our job really is to help those less fortunate and to try and get through whatever crisis they're in and I think that's what journey through convicts all about what are you most proud about yourself what makes you the most proud <laughs> oh my goodness um i think that when you feel that as a result of something that you've done your soul prints are over it and it has changed fundamentally changed the scenario or someone's life for the better the moments where i've been privileged enough to be in those situations where it has happened in my past life in the military but also outside some of the military and now you know in some of the scenarios i'm involved in and with the clients i'm fortunate enough to have that's what i'm really proud of when you can be yourself you can do the stuff that you love with purpose and apply that to make a difference. That's basically what we're all capable of doing. Oh, what a lovely answer. How can people find out more information for Journey Through Conflict and how can they stay up to date with uh, your life? Well, they can go on a website, um, www.journeythroughconflict.org and get in touch with us and see what we're about on that. And that's probably the best way of, of doing it. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, this is fantastic. I feel like I could just chat with you forever just about all kinds of things from military, from Che Guevara. I mean, I was surprised that you mentioned him, but I was also glad because he's someone who I'm very intrigued by. Well, it's fascinating because, yeah. you know, I mentioned that I studied Cuban history and culture at university for a while. And so, you know, I ended up bizarrely um, contributing to a sort of global seminar in the UK about believe it or not, the strategic impact of Cubans in Africa. Yeah. And it all sort of stemmed from my interest in che, che Guevara and understanding what had happened to the Cuban revolution, why that happened. And then actually there's an amazing book, which was all about the reconstruction, the rebuilding challenge that they had once they got in power. And you realize when you read that, that actually is the same as rebuilding anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how you actually end up in, um, you know, creating a scenario and changing a scenario is one thing. And whatever motivation you've got, whatever spectrum or rationale, whatever happens, once you've, ch once you've changed that scenario and it's chaotic, you've got to bring order to it. And so they were looking at how to bring order to it in the same way that we as you know, coalition were trying to look at that sort of challenge in places like Afghanistan and Iraq for better or for worse. I'm not saying that they're, they're yeah. parallel scenarios, but the point is you've got to know how to do this stuff, right? Otherwise you just won't solve the chaos problem. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Randall. That's great to talk to you. Yeah. Wonderful to talk to you as well. Thank you so much. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Andy. For more information for Journey Through Conflict, check out journeythroughconflict.org. Real quick, I want to give a shout out to Justin in Atlanta. Thank you 
Thank you for listening, and thank you for the kind words. I appreciate you. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise, and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from any given runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story, each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son.